When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, everybody working up. Everybody's working. With that time, yours. Not only have we made it, if not through, to the dog days of training camp, we've now made it to a game week. Woo! There is a Kansas City Chiefs professional preseason football game just days away from where we are right now. And there's even more good news than that. Because I'm Josh. Hey, Brisco, Josh, Josh. Nate Taylor. That, Josh, that's the, yeah, that's the good news. I, I, Josh, I'm here. I just want to let you know I'm here. You can talk to me. Talk to me, to Josh. Goose. Goose. <laughs> talk to me, Goose. I, I'm so, I'm taking over. This is a hostile takeover. Mm. This is this is Seth Kaiser of The Athletic and the Chief of the North <laughs> Newsletter. Welcome to Times Ours. I'm Ooh. here with Josh Briscoe of The Athletic, of Almost Entirely Sports, of a million, billion, zillion other things sure. that he has more jobs than yeah, I not, have kids. Not which so is, easy, is it, Seth? <laughs> it's true and impressive. And he's also... <laughs> don't, don't... Well, look, just because I, this is my... I'm in preseason mode. Yeah, yeah, I'm keep going. Sorry, there. keep going. Keep and this is my show. Look at me. Look at me. I'm the captain now. I took one week off, and I just wanted to say from the bottom of my heart, and I really mean this, you guys are jerks. (laughs) (laughs) Because I heard, so I'm driving to Kansas City, minding my own business, Mm -hmm. and I'm like, oh, I'm going to listen to some podcasts. This is going to be fun. My kiddos um, were were kind of zoning out a little bit. And so I was like, I'm going to listen to a podcast. So I was I'm going to listen to Times Ours. I wasn't there. Little did I expect a 10-minute side road. (laughs) On my lack of an attention span. And also, both of you know me way better than I thought. Because it's true. If you go eight minutes without talking to me, I'm gone. It's I'm over. like, I am I am eight minutes into an article at that point. Well, if it's eight minutes, I'm like five minutes into an article that I'm reading or like scrolling through Twitter. So anyway, I interrupted you. I appreciate that. Your job is way harder than I thought it would be. And man, uh, man whew, whew, I'm tired. I need some water. I, I would like to do one of these shows. We should have done it around like April Fool's Day or something. Maybe we do it for for like that week between the last preseason game and before the first regular season game. May, maybe we just do like a Bizarro episode where we all switch roles. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I I've, I could definitely get to Nate's, Nate's pitch register, and I think it would be funniest, Seth, if you were trying to do sort of the open and hosting bit, which I think then makes Nate the chief in the north, and I think that would all be very good. Yeah, I, I'm comfortable in my own skin (laughs) and to criticism, quite honest. And to hear, to hear the, um, you know, Seth, to understand who you are as my dear friend, it's, it's okay. It's okay. Sometimes we learn through criticism and jokes and I love you for it, um, but look, does it doesn't your kids benefit from this most? Most notably, mm. Cole and Isabella, who came to training camp with you. Isn't this what we're here for? 
to educate and slightly entertain people. Now, Seth, do you want to correct Nate or do you want me to? Seth, are you still in the Zoom? <laughs> oh, oh, he said I can't hear either hear of you. you. Apparently, my internet connection is from 2004. <laughs> okay, well, this time, here, do me, Nate, don't, this is all, this should all stay in here, but it's Isabel with an E. Isabel. Isabella. Damn. It I, is Isabel with an E. Damn it. And Ugh. also, my internet connection didn't drop out. I turned the volume all the way down somehow. <laughs> I mean. What an old man. Just an old, oh my just an old man with Guys, a computer. So, your your podcast was so professional last week, and I realized it's me. Like I'm the problem. I like I. You, you, this is gonna get real deep, but I am King David and the prophet Nathan at the same time saying, "You are that man. You are the problem." That's a deep reference, people. It's a deep reference, but I just realized I'm the problem. <laughs> I, I hope can't. To both I hope can't leaves all this in. By the way, I. <sighs> I just can't. Seth, you just hit the mute button. I I don't know what happened. I thought I couldn't have you guys. I was like, man, the rest of my internet's working just fine. And then I turned the. I looked. I started turning the volume up, and I could hear you talking about the spelling of Isabel's name. It is Isabel, not Isabella. Like so, yeah. ends with Bell is in beauty. I was trying to help you out there, Nate, just because whenever she does ultimately rise to power, I want you to make Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. I, want, coming, I want you to coming be, for you all. I corrected Nate about how to pronounce and spell her name. Like, I feel like that's good for something. <laughs> anyway. We yes. love you too, what a, Cole and what Isabel. Start. Yes. Holy smokes. Yes. I, I apologize. Thank you guys for covering for me in, in, in my week off. It was a great show. Do you want us to do I'm it again today? <laughs> I think the show might be more high quality. I swear. I have some great training camp observations. Yes. I'm going to be so professional, so I will make up for it. Just You just wait. Let, let, no, let's let's prove that here. Because there are a bunch of things I want to talk to you guys about that both of you have written about. And then if we make it to the end of the show in one piece, there's a nonsense thing I'll circle back to. But honestly, if we don't make it, we can we can throw it into the we can throw it into the, the future opens or closes whenever we run out of creative ideas. We got plenty to talk about here today. Um, because you did make it down here for training camp, as you said, Seth, and, and as you've written about in the Chief of the North newsletter. Uh, if you want to read about some of the, you know, the ways that football connects to fatherhood and family football and family intertwined you can read about that in the chief of the north newsletter that's some lovey-dovey goop that we're just simply not going to get into on this very professional podcast uh but you also were able to observe some chiefs things in person i i i do appreciate the fact that we've now glossed over the most sincere thing i've ever written and yes i observed a lot of things at training camp I just wanted to acknowledge you. Do you want to give us? Do you want to give us a, a brief, like a very, very large scale, vague sort of or overhaul kind of a overview of, of your time coming down here uh, and, and being back at camp for the first time in a in a little? Uh, I mean, almost two years, right? I yeah. I would just say one thing. It really was. It was really really nice seeing you guys in yes. person. Um, and and you know, people occasionally, especially Josh with you and me. Uh, people occasionally DM me and ask if we're like really friends because apparently we fight like a cat and a dog sometimes. Mm -hmm. And and it's just like, you know, you guys act so goofy on the podcast. It just seems so forced. I'm like, no, that's literally what it's like when we talk. Like, people say it seems forced. That one I, offends me. 
Yeah, I know. It comes it's very like, naturally. Who would, who would force this kind of behavior? It's really like, weird, yeah. Um, and so that was really, really awesome, seeing you guys, seeing some other good friends that I just haven't seen in a long time. Um, that was wonderful. Um, the, the rest, I mean, you know, you really, this this probably isn't the time and the place for it. I just like giving you a hard time. But really, the, the big part, the... The first part, the opening of my column was just writing about, I probably saw about half as much of practice as I normally would because I was with a 10-year-old and an eight-year-old and they wanted my attention and they needed my attention and 100% would not change even the tiniest thing about it um, because it was just really cool. Like I seriously, you guys got a chance to to talk to my kids just a little bit. What The first time Tommy Townsend punted the ball, and just booted that thing. Isabel literally squealed. <laughs> like, cause she could not, like that was the thing. Like they were like, wow, Patrick Mahomes is really buff and wow, they're fast and like all this stuff, right? Um, but that was the thing that impressed them the most all day. And so then they started like tracking it and they were like looking up his name in the program and like Tommy Townsend, he's so awesome. And like, so it, it was just, it was such a cool thing and anyone who is considering bringing their kids to camp and thinking maybe not because you'll miss some stuff. You will, but you will miss a whole lot more if you don't bring your kids to camp. You will miss something a lot better. And there's that's my smarmy. T now, it's much smarmier if you want to read the article. It's way like way more, you know, if you want to read it with like some really like, like, I don't know, with like hallelujah playing in the background or something. <laughs> or like the cats in the cradle, something, right? <laughs> Then, then you'll have a nice good cry and you'll have a lot of fun. But I just, seriously guys, it was so awesome seeing you and getting to eat two full meals at Q39 in one sitting. Yeah, I mean, it was that was the most impressive thing I saw all week was your performance at Q39. Thank you. Um, just an absolute machine. The, 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 the Chris Jones of eating barbecue. Uh, <laughs> I, I'll say this also partially on, on Nate's behalf as well. Uh, shout out to the people who came up and said hi to us in one place or another in, in St. Joan. I've done that three yes. times so far. I yeah. want to just keep up the, uh, the, the schmooze fest. It is very nice to occasionally be reminded that there are actual human beings that listen to this because we all record yes. in separate places and we all write in, you know, dark rooms. And I guess for you, Seth, especially, you know, with 47 kids pulling you around. But like it, it's a it's a weird job, especially the way we've all been doing it, especially for this last year and a half or so. So mm. to actually like you know, be able to meet the people who have enjoyed that content as more than just Twitter avatars or whatever is great. So I will at least say for myself, and I imagine this is true for Seth and Nate as well. Uh, if you mm. see us somewhere, say hi and that you enjoy the show. And then, you Please know, do. I, I'm, I, that is that has never once been a, a, a bigger bother than it was a joy. So uh, always appreciate that and uh, appreciate the people who said hi whenever, uh, at least whenever Nate and I were together this week. Yes, and it's... It's always a treat. You guys uh, listen. And uh, again, you take time out of whatever is going on in your lives to watch grown man practice and also <laughs> come say hi, which, you know, I do the same thing for a living. Um, yep. But yeah, Clay Newberry um, was the lovely soul who uh, posted a picture of us um, sans Seth, of course, uh, who, who had already left because, you know. <laughs> Fatherhood. Because it was Long 95 drive. degrees. It was hot. At 11.15. Oh, we that's were, right. That's what We it was. were melting. My kids, like, I asked them, like, do you guys want to stick around and watch special teams or do you want to get going? And they're like, there's air conditioning in the car. Can we please go? Like, they were. And they're the world's biggest Tommy Townsend fans. Apparently. I know. Like, still, you want to watch Tommy Townsend punt? 
but yeah, yeah no, I, they, makes they, perfect they missed sense. Out. Yeah, but uh, but no, it was it was it was a blast. Um, people have said hello. There's only you know I don't want to get too ahead of us gentlemen, but there's only a few more training camp practices left, mm-hmm. and we have our first preseason game on Saturday against uh, Trey Lance and the 49ers, and then really everything will just sort of kick off. You know, one thing that we have to keep in mind, and I want our listeners and fans to realize is, you know, the the roster is going to be cut in segments this year based on the new agreement between the Player Association, the league. And so you're going to go from as upwards of 90 to 85 to 80, and then obviously you make your 53-man cuts at the end of the month. So um, in a weird way, as I saw Josh, I was like, this is it. We're in the dog. We're, these are the dog days. I'm hot. I yeah. and and then you know and uh and this time a week from now on August 18th, just so people can understand, if you haven't made it to training camp yet, if you're still trying to find some time to go uh and get up to St. Joseph for a morning practice, uh, you have about a week left because the last training camp practice that is open to the public is August 18th. Um, and so just keep that in mind. The team is going to come back and I believe have three practices after this first preseason game coming back from San Francisco. So if you at least want to see me, <laughs> sure. Uh, but I think I think campus, I think Josh and, and, and Seth have, have graduated from St. Joseph. Yeah. Indeed. I might have I might end up with one more day in me, but it's gonna be one that's gonna be it's gonna be spur of the moment, I think. It's gonna be hey, nobody else is going up. <laughs> you want in the tent? Oh yeah, all right, sure. Uh, but I, I've enjoyed the two days that I've been there, Seth. There for I, I also beat Seth. You know, one more practice than Seth, who of course lives uh, a million miles away from St. Joe. I'm about an hour. It's not the same, but it kind of feels like it. Yep, uh, <laughs> it's the same. It's close enough. See, you could tell you'd almost lost me there, right? Uh, yep, yep. Sorry, I just see that the the NFL nicks the Texans' attempt to end training camp. I know, dude. It's it's. I open that now. This is our differences. Is you see that and you just read it, the headline, and then I I read it earlier, and then I just opened it in a new tab to look at later. Because what does that even mean? Like I, <laughs> the, the the since we're here, the tweet from John McClain. NFL nicks is Texans' attempt to end training camp, limit media access. Are they? Did they try to? Did they try to end training camp early and just yeah. start practicing? What are we yeah. doing? Yeah, you can't. I mean, I mean, the Houston Texans just the model organization yeah. in the NFL. Just you know, they got to figure it out, and uh, we're they're tired of they're tired of people watching them practice. And you know what? Honestly, it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> At least the <laughs> NFL's cracking down on taunting, uh, which is what <laughs> the problem we really all need to see knocked out of here. Yes. One quick news item from this week. I think it's the only major one here, Nate, vis-a-vis injury updates. Ian Rappaport had it first of, of LDT being out four mm-hmm. to six weeks uh, with a, a broken bone in his hand, not expected to require surgery. Um, still a chance to play week one, but it's very clearly Trey Smith's job there uh, with LDT and Kyle Long, who, who I thought the day after the draft were going to be the two guys competing for this job. Trey Smith seems to have won that job and then also had both of these guys deal with injuries, right? Yeah, it's um, it's something that because we were seeing Laurent Duvernay-Tardif do some work with the training staff you know, a few days ago, you maybe think, hey, uh, he's probably not going to play in the first preseason game, but maybe we'll get an update afterwards. It's unfortunate, you know, uh, 
there's really no fallback <laughs> at the right guard spot, in my opinion. So, yeah, it, it's Trey Smith's job. He will get the majority of the snaps, um, even with the second team to some degree in, in some of these preseason games, depending on how Andy and Andy Reid want to evaluate this. But um, there's a chance that he's available, as I, as I reported, for week one. There's going to be a couple updates, I, I believe, between now and August, excuse me, September 12th when the Chiefs play the Cleveland Browns. But look, if he's in uniform, that's a good thing because um, that's someone that obviously knows the system, has played before. It's a tougher situation for him, I think, most notably because Laurent was pretty honest about, yeah, training camp for me was supposed to be the time for me to really knock off the rust. And then, obviously, to get in more game-like shape, to get in more quote-unquote football shape, I, I need to play preseason games. So, if Duvaday Tardif can't play in these three preseason games, his own restart, you know, after opting out of last year for honorable reasons, will be a little bit slower than the Chiefs and him want. But at least it's not going to require surgery, and he will perhaps be a factor, or at least someone to fall back to if you need in mid to late September. Um, but it's just one of those things where, okay, Cal Long had an injury coming out of retirement before pads were anywhere near a player's body. Um, Laurent Duvede Tardif got a fractured hand, a fractured bone in his hand, excuse me, uh, essentially the first week in padded practices. So not a great start for those two, um, but you hope that they are someone you can rely upon when needed later in the year. Seth, I I, I don't want to spend our, our biggest chunk here, but I, I am excited to hear what you thought getting to watch Trey Smith and pads for the first time. Um, <laughs> Would you compare him to the bear from The Revenant? <laughs> Is that a yes? That, that's Dang a yes. it, Josh. That's that was yes. funny. Um, yes, he is. Um, I, I will. So what I'll do, I'll help us. Uh, I'll, I'll even help us segue. How's that sound? I'd love that. So Trey Smith is bigger than I expected, and I expected him to be pretty big. He he plays quicker than I expected, too. Now, I still see from snap to snap, you get some variance because Chris Jones did something terrible to him on one snap. That mm-hmm. said, and I know we'll get into this. Chris Jones did something terrible to everyone while I was there. Like, he actually stopped practice, came over to me, bull rushed me over, and then did a swim move on Isabel that knocked her unconscious, which I was really, I thought was not okay. But I didn't want to say anything. And then went back to practice. Uh, But we'll get to him, I'm sure. The entire line. What is that? That was awful. I don't know why I used Isabel. Just to make that the most visceral thing possible. Anyway, so... The, the entire line is bigger than you think. Um, Lucas, like a lot of talk about how big Orlando Brown is, and he is. He's huge. Like, I mean, he's standing next to other offensive linemen. But you know who else is huge? Lucas Niang. Like, he's massive. Trey Smith is massive. This whole line is huge. And it's something that really jumps out to you. Uh, Creed Humphrey is a little bit bigger than Austin Ryder. Joe Tooney, I think, is about the same size as the guys they've had. But that was one thing that just stood out to me. Trey Smith stood out that he plays a little quicker than I expected. He gets to his spots a little quicker than I expected. But he's just massive. He's He is the bear from the Revenant. You nailed it. Uh, well, so, I, I mean, in, at this point, like, also just on the LDT thing, to put a bow on it, 
none of us have any nerves whatsoever about a rookie sixth round pick starting next to a rookie second round pick on the interior of the offensive line week one. Oh, right? I have nerves. Do I you? have nerves. I, I do. Here's the here's the thing, though. If you're going to start, I, here's it looks like they might start three for, yeah. for rookies, yeah, which that's everyone, that's my best I, case scenario. Honestly, kind of left Lucas Niang out because I think I do have nerves about him. I got nerves about him too. I would say after watching them, I've got a lot. The only reason I have nerves is because I know they're rookies. Mm-hmm. If I didn't know they were rookies and I was watching that camp, man, Creed Humphrey on screens. Pretty good. Pretty good. That's the, I mean, very Mitch Morse-esque in a lot of those. Mm-hmm. I mean, he gets from point A to point B fast. And Smith gets there quicker than you think. But Joe Tooney's their guy on those, right? Some of those movement things. I mean, Tooney and Creed, I mean, they are there. And if you're a secondary player, it's like, oh, cool. I've got this 310-pounder grabbing me who's somehow 20 yards downfield. That doesn't seem fair. And you're right. It's not. But the NFL is not fair. Um, that's the only nerves I have watching them. I would not have nerves. Smith was really consistent in practice by and large and Creed looked great from what I watched other than, which I know might sound crazy to some people other than when Chris Jones, he was the exception, right? No one looked good against Chris Jones. Um, although I didn't see him beat Brown while I was there, but that's the only nerves that I have is because I know they're young based on what I saw. I don't have nerves from that. That's fair. Um, and you mentioned that you didn't see uh, him beat Orlando Brown Jr. And I'm I, Nate, you being there for every every God bless snap of, of training camp, maybe you have. I don't know. Uh, but that, one of the big things I wanted to hear from both of you guys on, I guess literally a big thing, big person, being Orlando Brown Jr. Um, because there have been a couple of little narratives that have sort of seeped yep. through. And I think we addressed it last week a little bit when it was just Nate and I having the best podcast of our lives. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> And as we've talked about in other episodes with Seth, you know, Orlando Brown is coming from a different type of offensive line, a different type of blocking yep. scheme, to a different type of offense. And he does not he does not have the quickness and the speed, the agility of an Eric Fisher. So we're watching a guy play that position differently than we have for the last several years, for the entire time that Andy Reid has been here. Correct. But uh, with that being said, Nate, you've got a full piece uh, circling around Orlando Brown Jr. up on The Athletic right now. Seth, I know you looked at and, and watched watched him and then wrote about him a little bit in your your Camp Obs piece on uh, on the Chief of the North newsletter. But Nate, what have you seen in terms of Orlando Brown as a whole throughout this camp? What you've seen whenever th- th- what you've seen that's made you go like that's not a great rep, and then what you've seen that has brought you back the other direction. Yeah, so the first day in pads are a nice indication of what you've done this summer. How you're physically ready to um, move forward in the football season. I always give a lot of weight to the third day in pads because they feel miserable. Uh, any players tell me before, especially in an Andy Reid camp, that like the third day in pads, you really got to push through, and it does show something about your football character. Um, and so... From day one in pads to where we are now, uh, Orlando Brown has started to look like the player you would watch on film. Um, There are certain things that he's doing in these one-on-ones, and he voiced it in a way that I thought was easy to understand, that he's not trying to win every rep. But I wonder if people understood what I was doing, um, and this is like a little inside writing, but... 
when we talked to Orlando on Tuesday, and I knew I was going to write about him because, again, we've gone through most of training camp. So you can give a more vivid assessment of, you know, one of the new core players is that I think from a 11 on 11 team drill that Andy forces the offense to be on the field for 16 straight repetition snaps, whatever Mm. you want to call it. I give a lot more weight to that than any one-on-one I saw, Um, whether it's good, bad, or average. And so watching that and knowing that this guy means so many different things to the Chiefs offense, by and large, he performed really, really well. Um, And he's looked the part for most of the team reps when there are 11 offensive players versus 11 defensive players. And he's looked a lot better against Chris Jones than Lucas Niang, which shows one of these players has been a two-time pro bowler, and one of these players has (laughs) never played an NFL snap. So... So again, I, I you know I got to try to explain. Here's how he looks now. Obviously, what happens on Saturday? Honestly, he might be your number one person to like really get a look at for as long as the projected starters are on the field. And then and then you get to the one on ones and him trying to explain like, well, one day I'm working on footwork, one day I'm working on my hand placement, and it's been better because when he started on day one. And if you look at these clips, all of his all of his punches, all of his hands, they're really high. And then as of, you know, Monday, I think the last padded practice, everything is more in line with what he would probably show you in a game, which is like, I know where my hand wants to be. I want it to touch this part of this man's shoulder pads. They're not high. I'm not trying to go super aggressive here. I'm just trying to be solid in my technique. And I think as he gets more comfortable with the offensive scheme, the hope is that he'll play more competently. Um, but it's okay if any of these dudes do not play well on September 12th. And I know you don't want me to say that, but like this is this is the reality. I assume, because they're professionals and the way Andy Reid sort of schemes things up in September, that they'll by and large have an advantage. But I think all of this stemming from how training camp started to where the preseason may go to even the first month. Um, It's going to take time for these guys to gel, but having a long drive period that I saw, I could at least see, okay, this guy is clearly talented. He's smart. He has a plan. He seems to understand the playbook. And there are things that him and Patrick have obviously connected on that he did not want to reveal to us on Tuesday because, you know, we don't want to share that information with Miles Garrett, but it all seems to be moving in a proper pace, if that makes sense. What do you make of that, Seth? And does that reflect what you were able to see out there uh, in at camp and, and what you've what you looked into and have seen and known from Orlando Brown at this point? I felt very, very smart when mm-hmm. Orlando Brown, uh, I think it was yesterday when he talked about not trying to win every rep in one-on-ones, mm-hmm. which to be fair, you know, one clip made the rounds on Twitter and then Mitch Schwartz, of all people, quote tweeted a rep that was really making the rounds like, oh man, Orlando Brown's in trouble. He's losing to speed rushers, et cetera. And Mitch Schwartz was like, you know, one-on-ones are like technique building time. And obviously you don't want to lose, but you just don't know what they're working on. You don't know what the defender's working on. You just don't know. And so it's just not a great thing to do. And what I saw at camp, and I think 
we might have even texted about this. Yeah, that's right, mm-hmm. people. We talk and text more than you know. Mm-hmm. Um, we, where I mentioned, it was really interesting to me. I watched him during the one-on-one periods and he lost on, you know, if you're going by wins and losses, he lost to speed moves several times in a row. And I was like, huh. But then during the 11-on-11s, while Chris Jones was just destroying universes during the 11-on-11s, shout out to Jaron Reed, who messed up a couple plays too. But, I mean, Jones was just brutalizing. And I realized midway through the vast majority of the plays, he wasn't coming from Brown's side um, when he was wreaking havoc. Um, Lucas Niang had a rough day against Jones in the 11-on-11s the day that I was there, which is fine. Don't freak out about Lucas Niang. I think a lot of tackles, and I know I can't wait to talk about this, guys, because I'm going to freak out. A lot of tackles are going to have rough weeks against Chris Jones this year. Um, But Brown looked significantly better in that he was just a lot less noticeable during the 11-on-11s. Like, you didn't really notice him, which is what you want from a tackle. And so that leads me to believe that, I mean, he's a guy, he doesn't have super quick feet or, or even quick feet. He wins, and he's talked about this on Twitter, through obviously his size, right? He's huge, got huge arms, he's super strong, all that stuff. But he also wins with his brain by understanding where the angles are, where he needs to get to. Sometimes something that looks like a loss in a one-on-one where the rusher turns the corner, in an actual 11-on-11, it might not look very pretty, but if you go back, but he's going to direct them wide every time. And if you go back and watch his film from last year with the Ravens, you'd see that with speed rushers. They'd try time after time after time to go around him, but he knew that's what they were doing. And he'd almost bait them into it and he'd have to, it looked tough. He's like sprinting to it, but he'd push them wide, snap after snap after snap. Because he's got such long arms, because he can deliver such a good punch and because he's so wide, he doesn't need to catch all of them, just part of them. So it looks like a loss on one-on-ones, but in reality, he was just directing them around Mahomes multiple times during the 11-on-11s. We're going to know more with the preseason game. This just crossed my mind, so we're very much within, you know, tell me if you think I'm dope territory and I won't be offended. Not in general, but specifically about this point. Man, you fired, you, you boy, you covered that quickly. Yeah, I, could, I much like Orlando Brown, I'm out here winning with my mind occasionally because I, <laughs> I can, I do know your counter moves pretty well at this point. Um, I, I, I almost, I, I almost tried to spit it out even faster because I could see, I could hear the wheels turning. I was inhaling. I was like, <gasps> <laughs> yeah, but, um, cause I, I was thinking about this cause it, it showed up in the article that Kevin Clark wrote, uh, talking to Mahomes up in the ringer today. And, and Mahomes talked a little bit more again about how like not having, uh, or, or when it, you know, getting pressured early in a game makes it harder to trust the offensive line over the rest of the game. I don't think he phrased it quite that way, but it's something that we've known for a while. And it's one of very, very, very few things that I think for Mahomes' entire career, we've gone, you know, he could get better at that over time. Like that would be a place where there is sort of room for improvement. And obviously, it's going to be important for Orlando Brown Jr. to be able to kick guys out wide and to make them run behind Mahomes and not to have Mahomes drifting extra far back. But it also, if you think that is a deeply important part of Orlando Brown's play style, it kind of makes Joe Tooney signing like make a little more sense because you you are desperate to try to keep the the depth of the pocket there. So your tackles on the outside, specifically Brown, but obviously Nyang is a candidate for this as well. You you are running them behind Mahomes as much as possible, but if that interior three is getting moved back, you're you're all of a sudden your offensive line is in trouble. Do you think there's anything to that? Am I just making stuff up? 
No, I don't. I don't think you're making it up. It, it's an interesting theory, just because um, Toonie is just so trusted. Yeah, I just I can't stress and it good. enough. Yeah, yeah, I just can't stress it enough. How consistent this man is! <laughs> like, <laughs> just click a new tab, go to his Pro Football Reference page, and just watch sixteen, 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 sixteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Just show up. So, um, and he's looked every part of. The Chiefs making him the most, you know, the most, the highest paid guard, left guard in NFL history. Like, he just, he just seems fine. So. Which still isn't my favorite, even with my new theory, by the way. But it kind of, it might explain, it might, I don't know. It may, it, it, it puts some more emphasis on that position, at least. I'll say that. Exactly. With the idea that, you know, Mahomes uh, is not a statue back there either. So, if, again, what I would love to know is what he what Orlando Brown and Patrick Mahomes have come to an agreement with on some of these pass sets on five-step dropbacks, where I want you to be on play action, all these type of things. If I scramble, what do I, what am I sort of seeing versus like, you know, whoever the pass rusher is going to be on that game. Like all that is fascinating. I do get the sense though, that Orlando's going to be comfortable winning ugly. And Mm -hmm. if they put points on the board, what you care about that mm-hmm. <laughs> like you know so it's it's a little alluring for Chiefs fans to understand that hey we could have had Trent Williams which makes sense you know he's just sure. he's just great he just blows people over he's an athletic freak for his size um you know Orlando Brown's a different player and he's okay winning ugly or winning with sophistication not in the same degree as Mitchell Schwartz, but no one would ever say that Mitchell Schwartz was just out here physically disrupting worlds. No, Mitchell Schwartz was like, thanks for trying. I'm just going to move you over here. And that's ultimately what I think the Chiefs want from Orlando Brown from a big picture standpoint. How you get there, you know, we'll, we'll try to keep track of it every step of the way. But I think your theory makes sense, Josh, because protecting Patrick Mahomes' blind side makes a whole lot of sense. And we've and you specifically have stressed this, that the interior was just as much of an issue before everybody showed up on Super Bowl Sunday and was like, who are their tackles? Mm-hmm. So if Joe Tooney locks it down, or it's easier to understand where blitzes are coming from because coordinators and, and defensive ends have to sort of change their game plan to some degree because you potentially could have two pro bowlers um, right next to one another on the left side, it makes it does make a lot of sense um, in giving Mahomes that extra second or that entire full second, which could just be a world difference to anybody who's on the back end of an opposing defense. I will reiterate my favorite bit in my area of expertise that I have apparently carved out for myself, which is also is a lot of money for a guard. I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm just sort of, I'm spitballing. I'm thinking about, I'm keeping some things in mind as we go into what'll be a super interesting season when we see them actually go up against, you know, not just their teammates. The offensive line have had to try to block, and I do say try to block, over the course (laughs) of this training camp. Go ahead. You no longer have to say, we will eventually talk about Chris Jones. Talk to me about Chris Jones. Holy crap, guys. <laughs> Holy crap. Like, I, that was one reason I was sad. I had to leave camp, like, right as it was going, you know, get on the road. And we had, like, a 10-hour drive. And so, which was awesome, by the way. Just on a side note, we had, you know, those giant windmills they have in Iowa? 
Like the wind ones? Like, well, I mean, yeah, it's wind, like, the, like, the, like the, the really big windmills, wind right? Ones on the like, I said of... the wind ones. You yes, said you the windmill. Yeah, all windmills are wind ones, moron. Yeah, but like the really big ones. The white ones with the, like the three blades. That yeah, are for, like, yeah, wind with the three blades. Okay, We it. had a, a couple semis pass us with like those blades on their trailers. Those yeah. things are huge. Yeah. And so, anyway, sorry. I, I, just just, want, I, I just want the audience to know that when I back away from the mic and let you have these brilliant moments for your ears, <laughs> just know that I'm I'm setting up all the picks for you guys, okay? I'm doing it all for you, listener. I don't I don't try to interject. I just let these two cook, and it's honestly one of the most delicious meals my ears have ever heard. We, we, we are out here running a pick and roll while you're setting up in the corner just waiting. Yeah, I'm spacing the floor. Someone, I'm really spacing if, the floor for you guys. If someone dares drop off. um. But anyway... One of the, the biggest reasons. Nay, it's such, you, the spacing the floor thing is perfect because I feel like I feel, and this is really more of me thinking about the radio show. But I feel like sometimes it's LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook. The whole thing's happening in a phone booth. We're just talking <laughs> over each other. We're just really. It's a very constipated show. Uh, are you telling me that mean mugging children from Philadelphia? <laughs> yeah, that is definitely that is who I would pick in that group. Um, the the biggest regret that I had to leaving camp early is I wanted to walk up to you guys and go, holy crap, Chris Jones, because as good and Nate, you've been talking about how good he's been. Everyone's been talking about how good he's been, but I can absolutely promise cheese fans and we'll see, we'll see whether it translates um, on game day. I think it probably will, but it's impossible to overstate how good he looks like the the he he was actually wrecking the 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 eleven on elevens. Like one thought that crossed my mind after like the 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 first drive, well drive quote unquote, was man they're not getting any practice in because Chris Jones is not letting them run plays. Like he's immediately in the backfield and from the edge from the interior. From the, it really, I didn't think, I hoped he would look that good rushing from the interior or from the edge. And I didn't think he would. I thought he'd look good like with bull rushes. I didn't think he would, I didn't think he would corner a couple times like I saw him corner. And not that anyone's going to, you know, confuse him for Derek Thomas anytime soon, right? But the fact that he can corner at like an average defensive end level that's that's like when um Yao Ming could handle the basketball at like an average level you know what I mean it looks so different when someone so huge is doing it and I like has it been like that every day because that's what I wanted to ask you guys about like was was the day I was there special because it was incredible no, it was it was a little more special because you got a you got more team period reps, but um, I mean he threw Orlando Brown to the ground, guys, <laughs> on day one of pads, and it wasn't like Orlando's trying to fall. It's just I will give Chris credit because for this experiment to work, you've got to be all in. Like you you really can't. Because in a weird way, it's like Chris is going back to rookie year where you're just trying to prove to the coaches every day, I got this. Like, please trust me. Like, let me have, you know, my my shine. 
you know, and I don't know how hard he'll go in the preseason um, or what is, you know, it'd be fascinating to be in the defensive coaching meeting room with Steve Spagnuolo, Brendan Daly, the offensive, or excuse me, the defensive line coach, uh, Andy Reid, obviously involved as well. It'd be interesting to see, like, what do we want to accomplish most for Chris in these two preseason games? Because the assumption is, you know, he won't play in the third um, to make sure that he's ready for the Cleveland Browns. Um, my man's going hard. It's just it's like, you know, there are graceful players. There are players who have been through this before. Um, the the person weirdly that's coming to mind right now is like is Chris Jones like. Is he is he doing camp like Rafael Nadal would do at some local tournament where it's like this is not a major, we're not we we're just hitting balls over the net, man. Like we're just <laughs> we're just trying to put on a show, and he just you know he just keeps coming and coming, and it's just like there's there's a lot of energy and freneticness to it, and he's talking junk and smack, and you know part of this, as I said in our last episode, is you know as veterans you really do need to serve these younger players of like hey this is kind of it's gonna be like it could be worse if you don't like pick up your you know what but he's just been aggressive and attacking uh it's been fun to watch uh i'm not sure i was a believer before camp started um even though i saw some positive signs in the mandatory mini camp uh now i can i can tell myself i can't be surprised if he has a special season both dominating from the interior and from the edge uh and of course, Jaron Reed obviously figures into all this, and he's been fine. Um, you know, he's kind of played at the level that you would expect in terms of pre, you know, before preseason training camp practices. But yeah, I mean, uh, I don't care where Rafael Nadal is playing tennis; he's hitting the ball hard, and he's just being mean <laughs> to the other person, <laughs> and that's Chris Jones this entire training camp. I, I think in terms of like you saying you're a little bit of a doubter early on, Nate, I think Chris Jones at end and Trey Smith is starting at right guard. I think were two of the things that I heard a little bit about or there was talk of that I was just I just felt like I needed to see it. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like I've seen it. Now, there's some things I expected to see that I haven't and some other things I didn't expect to see that I haven't, some things that I did that we have. But but I think those two for me are are probably the two leaders in the clubhouse for not overreacting the training camp, but feeling like you're seeing a little bit of evidence for something that you you needed a little more info on. Yeah. And, we, you know, we want to see results at every stage. Um, mm-hmm. And give Chris credit for being willing to, to put maximum effort, um, both making sure the coaching staff understood what his hopes and goals were, Learning a new position, which doesn't get talked about a lot, but, you know, it's a new position, uh, which means he's obviously more he's more of a master in terms of like, again, what Spagnuolo and Brendan Daly are hoping to do this year. And, yeah, you want to see it in the preseason. Obviously, you want to see it in the regular season, but it's it's OK for fans even now to still be hesitant because they haven't seen it. If they haven't been at St. Joe, like, again, one of these like. You know, I'm not saying that I am, you know, trying to be in the production meeting for the local Chiefs preseason broadcast. But <laughs> fellas, NK Adams, shout out to her. Uh, I think you guys should talk about Orlando Brown and Chris Jones pretty yeah. early 
before kickoff. Because these are the things that that tend to matter. Um, even as we're as I know y'all, I know that it's like it's like hearing the sizzle on that steak, and they're just gonna <laughs> bring you one slice <laughs> off the fillet. That's all it is. But you you hear it, it smells delicious. We are back, baby! Football! <laughs> and here, ladies and gentlemen, is, is one slice off prime beef filet. Hey, thanks! When do I get the rest of this? Oh, September 12th. Okay. That is such a good analogy. And I was going to kind of open up what you're looking for during during that first game. And I did that first bite of steak that we've been hearing the sizzle of now for a month. That sounds pretty good. Uh, one other thing that one other guy that I wanted to talk about to let you give your two cents on here, Seth, and someone that I know all three of us are going to be watching very closely whenever the preseason game does actually finally get here is Juan Thornhill. Um, I for I think to take Nate's analogy, I keep waiting for that steak to end up on the grill, and it just keeps sitting there. And it's like I mean, are they trying to get it to room temperature? Like I don't. How, is there a re- is the pan not hot enough yet? What are we waiting for exactly? <laughs> In terms of of seeing Juan Thornhill back with the ones, he's been he spent a lot of time with the twos this camp, and he came in early because of his his you know ACL continuing recovery, and then he had a little groin injury uh, that kept him out for I think two days, something like that of, of practice. Um, but so whenever you got up there, Seth, and you, you were, I guess, down here um, and and saw him practice, you were thinking what as you saw him in action? Um, that he looks fine. Like that, and by he looks fine, I don't mean like, oh, he looks fine, like as a player. What yeah, I mean yeah. by that is he looks like himself. Um, he, he was moving smoothly. He cut off um, some deep routes. Um, including a couple of really impressive ones with Hill, where he stayed over the top of him, which is not easy to do. Um, his acceleration looks good. He's cutting smoothly in and out. Um, he's changing direction fine. I have no idea why he would not be the dude, unless the plan is not for him to be the dude. And we'll see. But I mean, I wrote about that. Like he looks good, and he absolutely is getting plenty of team two reps. Now he's playing some with the first team two, you know, mm-hmm. like when they're doing three safety reps. But he's definitely looking like another 70 percent of the snaps guy for the season, and that 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 upsets me. Mm-hmm. And I keep trying to think, well, there's got to be a reason, but sometimes that reason is just. Maybe people are wrong. And I guess we'll see. And like, this has nothing to do with like the depth chart or anything like that. It's just how they're having them have reps at practice. Yeah. Is they are absolutely giving Dan Sorensen the starting safety, you're the dude reps. And it's weird that they would do that if they planned on having Thornhill primarily start next to Matthew like he did his rookie season and did a really great job of. And he's played really well when healthy every other time. But what do I know? Nate, what I, do you know? I don't know, dog. I <laughs> I don't know. This is no slander to Daniel Sorensen. Absolutely. But unless there's something that we don't know, or Steve Spagnolo is so you know, because he came from secondary. He 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 loves mentioning that. Like, hey, when I when I first started, I was out here coaching the secondary, and then I rose my way, obviously, to head coach, and now he's you know one of the most respected defensive coordinators in the league. Unless he's just like, we're going to do some weird stuff, and I don't want anyone <laughs> with public phones to go near this. <laughs> you know, um, I, I also want to tell people, too, 
So when we get to like legitimately week one, there may be things that I see that pretty much go off limits. Like training camp is really one of a, a great time because, you know, there are people who take video of each rep. Shout out to them. Uh, cause it, you know, if, if you have note of it, I'm more than comfortable including it in my, you know, in my stories or my camp wrap ups, but like, you know, we're going to see less and less and less, <laughs> which means maybe Juan Thornhill will do more and more and more as we go. Right. 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 I mean, right. I mean, maybe he wants Kevin Stefanski or some underling on his staff to just be like, coach. I don't know what you want. I don't know. Look, I don't know. What, I know, Yes, coach. I know Juan Thornhill play in the divisional round. But, coach, they've been running Dan Swarson with the ones. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> like, sir, I don't. Like, I'm just doing my job. I'm surveying all the Twitter, all the internet, all the, like. I, look, I'm Googling Juan, Juan Thornhill. I can't find him, coach. I literally can't find him out there. So, that's weirdly my best theory on this is that as we see less and less and less at practice, this was all part of the plan of like, hey, no need to push it. It's Check's phone August 11th. Like, when we get to September, you know, we'll put the best 11 on the field. And a lot of times, Dean Sorensen is included in that. Again, no slander to him. I just don't have a concrete theory as to, like, why this has happened. But one bit of note, and I know you listen to this too, Josh. When the last time we spoke to Spagnolo uh, ahead of this uh, opening preseason game, uh, we asked him as a media court, you know, hey, I know you always want to look at the rookies. Uh, obviously, I mentioned Devin Key earlier. Obviously, Nick Bolton's going to be someone to keep an eye on. Hey, who else Who else you you interested in seeing for the first time in this new context of, of, of this team? And he said Colin Saunders, I think for good reasons, because he's been really impressive in camp, and he's coming off a, you know, a, a, a disappointing sophomore season. And then he mentioned Juan Thornhill, and the quote was, you know, I just want to see if they're back, to which be Josh and Seth say, Coach, he, he been back. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of, he seems kind of back. But maybe, but maybe Spagnuolo needs a seat in the preseason. I guess. Uh, all right. Well, oh God, I just, I hate ending the show in a place that makes me sort of bummed. So, um, real quick, Nate, can you can you shed any light on on what Andy Reid has said so far about the preseason strategy? Because I I was in, he he. Ugh. All right, Ugh. the answer is yes. All right, I'm gonna shut up. I'm gonna get out of here. Go ahead. <laughs> all right, ladies and gentlemen, I will explain this way better than one Andrew Reid. Uh, the last time it was now. I felt so bad for people who arrived to St. John Sunday. Sunday was supposed to be the most family fun day. Family fun day Oof. coming off a of off day Saturday, and you knew they were in paths. So everybody was going to show up. It was supposed to be the largest crowd they had had all camp, and then of course it rains and thunderstorms. So they move practice indoors. Andy comes out. We ask him to. You know, reasonable question. Hey, coach, we are technically, and I'm putting a lot of air quotes in this, we are technically in game week. Who who going to be playing? How long are they going to be playing? <laughs> what, like, what what's the deal? To which Andy Reid basically, you know, fumbled around, didn't give a clear, concise answer. So, talking to some people in the Chiefs organization, the idea 
is that um, the first quarter is going to be ultra fascinating because I think by in first, early second, they're going to start mixing certain people in technically with the ones, technically with the twos. Um, you know, if you go on Twitter, there's some depth chart stuff that's out there. Unofficial, but kind of official. Uh, Chad Henney might play more than you anticipate. They also got to get a look at, you know, the other two quarterbacks. Um, I don't think Mahomes gets to the second quarter. Um, at the same time, I understand, too, that Reed wants a certain number of possessions, if that makes sense. So if the 49ers go on some 18-play drive, well, that sort of complicates the matter. But I think what Andy was trying to get to is we're going to treat this like it is the first game. We're going to treat the second game as if it was the second game in a four-game preseason. We're going to treat the third. You got to treat the third as the fourth, right? And that's where it gets questionable. And so my understanding is the Chiefs want to see how the first two games go. If they need to get the stuff in the third game, obviously they have the ability to do that. If they want to treat the third game like the fourth preseason game in years past, which my opinion is probably should do if everybody's like relatively healthy. Um, I don't think anything changes from what we saw two years ago in 19 for Saturday. The question is what happens, you know, in week two against Arizona, do you extend the entire first team offense through the first half? By the way, that game is broadcasted uh, nationally via ESPN. So, you know, people might want to see Patrick Mahomes for as long as they can. And then, how do they want to treat this third preseason game knowing that there's not a fourth and knowing that you really, I mean, this is Dave Tobes wheelhouse, but Dave Tobes says, I need to see all the backups for majority of the game, just so that he has an understanding of who plays well on special teams, who he can trust. And do you get as much evaluations as you can squeeze in three games that you normally would have in four? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it does. I also okay. think getting through two games and then wait and see for the third makes a whole lot more sense than treating the third like it's going to be the third by default. And so a little, little patience which he, there. Which, again, sense. Andy kind of said that, to which yeah. all of us were like, but you can't do that. Right. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, sir. Yeah, I mean, I it's a new offensive line that you want Mahomes to be comfortable with and everything. Part of me would just say play the ones with Chad Henney behind him. I know it's not. I know, I know Andy Reid's not going to do that, but I would be tempted just because my greatest fear in life is Patrick Mahomes getting hurt in the preseason. As is Roger Goodell's. <laughs> my greatest fear in life is sharks with needles for teeth. <laughs> is that that much worse than sharks with normal teeth? I just feel like it would hurt more. I feel like it would be psychologically scarier. Yeah. But, right? I think it's partially them being shiny. They would just keep piercing you just over and over and over. Shark teeth would also do that. Yeah, but they'd rip you up. They wouldn't just poke you. I guess, is that? Row after row. You know how many rows of teeth great white sharks have, Josh? A lot. I don't know the option, but oh, I know. I'm glad you didn't answer. call my bluff there, because I don't yeah. either. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's se- several. I don't know, man. I've seen Finding Nemo. It's that many. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. Um... Yes. So anyway, sorry. Five that to was 15. my contribution to the end. 15? Five to 15 rows of five teeth 15. per jaw. Imagine that. Five the to 15 bull shark rows has 50. 50. 
All right, hold on. I'm Googling inside of bull shark mouth. Let's see if I... Oh! Sharks yeah, are wild. I'm afraid I got to do it. Sharks I'm, are oh crazy, my... man. Yeah, no, they really are. This is like... This is just not a pleasant way to go. Anyway, no. that I'm, I'm I happy suggest... that I could contribute to the end of the podcast. Well, here's actually the very, very end of the podcast. I wanted oh, to pull nice. something from your from your newsletter post. Oh, sure. And I actually have to ask the question to Nate first, because I know your answer and I know my answer. But you said that somewhere along the, the drive, you ended up having some sort of conversation about what superpower you would have. Or you I think it just came up because of the thing. We were playing. Were yeah, we were now. playing. Would you rather? That's right. Yep. So your answer, we may have even talked about this before, but I don't remember it. Because your answer is so bleeping close to what my answer would be that it actually, like, it just sort of made me just sort of stop in my tracks reading your story. <laughs> um, so I'm going to ask you first, Nate. Okay. If you could have a superpower, and I think there's also an argument for the more interesting conversation to be like a low-key superpower, not one that, like, I'd like to be Superman. That's not right, quite right, the same way. Right, um, But But what would your answer be? If I could have... A superpower, and I might I might nudge you to towards the like the superpower that no one's going to try to make you become a crime fighter for, right? You gotta be practical. <laughs> you don't want this to be your whole life necessarily, but you'd like it to supplement your actual life. Yeah, in, in some ways, um, because you start realizing this as you get older. In some ways, I wish I could stretch time, and then some ways I wish I could just like, like if I could manipulate time, that would be really cool. So my answer has always been either it has mostly been I would like to only like to be able to choose if I wanted to sleep or not, but I don't ever need to, mm, which like is another form. Infinity energy like you just have a, yeah. a, 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 a video game energy bar. Yeah. And so I can just <laughs> always be, you know, instead of going to bed, I can just do more stuff, whatever yes. that might end up being. Now, Seth, what was your answer again? Um, my answer would be the ability to freeze time. And now, that's not in a photograph. You're still working, aren't you? Yeah. Like, so in other words, I freeze time, but it works kind of similar to like um, the, like with the flash in the the Justice League movie or, uh, you know, when like speedsters are just moving at normal speed, but everything sure. else is slow. But rather than slow, it's like completely still. Yeah. So I could still, if I wanted to go start a car and drive it somewhere. Right? Yes. Um, so I would definitely take that. Um, I would want the ability like to where it, you know, my, my daughter, Isabel made a wonderful point. She's like, well, you'd probably want the ability to unfreeze it too. Right. And I was like, touche. <laughs> yes. Um, that's part of it. Because and you know, you can't age, you can't age in that time. Like your yeah, body has to work the same way. Cause <laughs> my other wife's, my wife's leaving me in like six months. Cause you old dude. Like yeah, you're you know. 80. <clears throat> yeah. And so. The ability to freeze time would be incredible just because, you know, you could get your stuff done and then do the things that matter. Like I'm looking outside right now at a beautiful blue sky and and I've been I've been working all day and, you know, this stuff will be there when I come back. And it sure would be nice to have more time to, to do the things that matter. So I just very much I was pretty sure I knew where Nate was going to go. 
And then it just hit me that all three of us have some issues that we need to work out (laughs) because we we have basically it's like, I'd like to be able to work more and or be able to do more things other than just work or like have more time to do whatever we actually want to be. Like that is the core of all three of our answers. (laughs) That is it's just it can't be healthy. And I thought it was kind of funny to at least be able to put that under the spotlight for a second that that is (laughs) something that all three of us share deeply, deeply, deeply in common. And anyway, there's it, eat Arby's. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Yeah, and and you know, fellas, we could do a, a group session, or we could talk one on one if you'd like. You know, I just want, <laughs> I just, I just hear somebody's voice uh, in my head saying that. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a treat, you know. And then you also have to think in mind about um, coaches working sixteen hour days, and I'm not yes. joking. And yes. me, you know, these training camp days for me are like kind of because you're trying to do things now and in the future. I know some people are, are, are aware of that because, um, you know, there's a lot that goes on when the season starts. Sometimes I look at my clock and I go, wow, that was like a that was like a nice 11, 12 hour day. Like, hey. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh, my man ate some dinner and then right back to grinding that tape, <laughs> that practice tape. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was funny. So there you go. There's the wrap. Enjoy so the game could, this weekend. In some ways, it could be better. It also could be worse. You know. Oh yeah, it could be a lot worse. It could definitely be more worse than I think that it could be more better. We just all need thirty hour days, basically. And I don't know if we can change that or if that's sort of a sun. I feel it. I feel like that's been set into place already. That we only get twenty four hours. Yep. But if. I don't know. We I, figure out I know. I know one really good story of the day the sun stood still, but I'm not really sure. All right, so we got to wrap it up here. So that's Seth Kaiser. You can follow him on Twitter at Real MN Chiefs Fan. You can read the Chief of the North newsletter at mnchiefsfan.substack.com. Nate Taylor's work, of course, on the Athletic at by Nate Taylor on Twitter. I'm Joshua Briscoe at JB Briscoe on Twitter. And if you'd like any more sort of biblical references, I mean, you can really tweet all three of us for yes. that as well. It's something else that we all have in common. We all have the same superhero ideas and the same, and if not. The the same at least working uh knowledges of um how to weave various biblical references into a football podcast so is that it, feels about right is a superpower uh is can this be eligible as superpower can i just walk on water for like a few minutes wow. <laughs> what's that like you know what i bet you could what's that I like bet you could hey just don't look around <laughs> don't look around don't look at that store hey look at me well not me you know what i mean Seth's out here said, the only superpower I need is the armor of God. That will keep me safe. All right. This, this show's got to be over now, right? Yeah. Yep. Just, hey, everybody, enjoy that Enjoy that nice slither of steak on Saturday. Come on. We Nummy. out here. Hard Knocks is back. They're going to play football games all weekend. I mean, get your fantasy draft on. And all no, you can just... You're just going to get that nice little slice. And it's like, but they're making more in the back, right? Yes, they're making more in the back. <laughs> but you only getting this one slice of meat. And it's going to be delicious. I can't tell you what's on the menu for the second half on Saturday. I can't. <laughs> I don't know what the chef's cooking. Okay. Second half is not steak. All right. But hey, I'm going to watch Devin Key. I'm going to watch Jody Fortson. Yes! Who knows where Juan Thornhill is? Hey! 
It's going to be delicious. It just, it's just, it's just one slice of steak and then everything else. And look, there'll be more steak as we get closer to the regular season.